What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome, friends. Uh, you're listening to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you for tuning in to our episode uh, today. Before we jump straight in, a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and hosts shows from across the whole wide world, uh, which we're always very uh, happy and enthusiastic uh, to do uh, as we continue our combined celebrations of contemporary soul, jazz, funk, Latin music and hip-hop. So uh, we'd love for you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com where you'll find our radio stream, of course, along with uh, the full backlist catalogue of um, our podcasts and a whole bunch of reviews and interviews and such insight so yeah we'd love your company and um yeah hopefully you'll you'll like what you find and like what you listen to etc uh today's episode i am filled with an incredible amount of excitement i'm honestly thrilled for this episode and i really can't wait for you guys to check uh to just listen to it um i have the immeasurable uh pleasure uh of the company of miss laura lorenz and um she is a vocalist with q sound recordings uh, and alongside her band the shadows of love she has released two albums uh in home chez moi in 2020 and in 2023 the staggeringly brilliant no love no peace uh, which is the primary uh, reason for our conversation the album um, has been out I think a couple of weeks I think but just before we actually had the chance to sit down and speak about it and um, just it's such a, an absolute joy to to speak to her she's um, such a, uh, a a friendly and giving and generous kind of person to speak to in this regard and she's so honest and sincere with her her thoughts and responses and it's just amazing to kind of unpack so much of what this this incredible album is about we had the luxury as well of uh, being able to review it for the website you can find that at blueingreenradio.com of course and um, yeah it's just an absolute joy if you've been checking out the website for a while you will know that we have had a deep love affection love and affection for uh, q sounds and just their amazing uh music and their amazing take on uh as as we said contemporary uh soul and funk uh, so um as always love to extend a tremendous thank you uh to our friends over at q sounds uh ludo and christelle who are just amazing people and um really awesome to work with so uh, it's an absolute pleasure uh, before we jump in, however, regular listeners of the podcast will know we feature two songs per episode. So I want to quickly introduce those. We, uh, we have um, our closing number, uh, which is a song that we discuss in the actual episode. I thought it would be a really great one to close the show with. It's called Stop Bullets, and uh, it is from her 
It is from Laura's uh, Home Chez Moi album, her first record with uh, Q Sounds and The Shadows of Love. We talk about the actual song. I thought it was a really good one to include. So we're going to end the show with that amazing song. Uh, but the first song we're about to play is uh, this single from the No Love No Peace uh, album. We're going to play her track BLM. It's actual. It's actually the track that kicks the whole album off as well. So uh, I thought that would be a good one to play as well. We mentioned the video uh, in the episode. I would urge you to look that one up as well. It's very, very nicely done. And uh, yeah, I think that that's us. We're going to jump into this episode. A final massive thanks uh, again to Laura. Just a, an absolute pleasure uh, to spend time uh, with her and, and for this episode. I very much hope we'll get the chance to do so again. So thank you. Uh, and uh, my friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
I'm great. Thank you so much for this invitation, Imran. I'm happy to speak with you, and I'm curious to know what we're going to be talking about. But <laughs> I do. Well, I thank do. you so much, though. I really appreciate you agreeing to to just come and hang out and uh, yeah. kind of talk about you and your wonderful music and <laughs> uh, and everything associated with it. So it means a lot that you've taken the time. So thank you very, very much. Of course, I'm always ready to meet new people. I I really love that. That's one of the reasons why I live uh, in a different country and stuff like that is because I really love people. I just love meeting new people. So it's a pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we're not going to get on very well at all then, because I'm the opposite. No. Oh, really? You hate <laughs> <No>. people? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, I imagine. Uh, uh, you were um, uh, you were teaching today, if 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 I remember your message correctly, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a vocal coach, so yeah, that's one of the reasons why I, I, I do. It's, it's a great way for me, anyway, to to keep meeting new people is to help them in their vocal work. Um, so yeah, I, so for example, today I had to go to a young lady's house. Now this young lady is the daughter of someone, of a parent of theirs that I coached mm-hmm. already. He's uh, about a 60 year old singer songwriter here in France and just, you know, never really had that, that chance to go and, um, and I don't know, really work on his voice. And he right. decided that at kind of, you know, getting getting towards the last kind of chapter of our life, right? After 60, it's kind of like, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my time and space and creations? Mm. And uh, he had asked if I would help him work on his voice. Um, and I said, of course. And I got to meet his daughter later, one of his daughters, who um, actually, she has a lot of emotion and she's a great, she actually has a voice. It's very rare to find people that have a voice, you know? Mm. And uh, one of the things that's wonderful, so her name is, is Ella, and one of the things that I love about working with her is that she's totally new to it. Totally, totally new. Has this talent, has the voice, but has no idea how it all works together, right? right. And also, she has, um, she suffers uh, from, you know, a, a health problem, and so being able to work with her through her health problems and her voice, I mean, that's just, that's just golden, right? I love, it is, it is. And that's actually why I, I'm able to continue on performing and, and writing and creating is because I'm, I'm working with people all the time on their own vocal work. And that makes my own vocal work super interesting. And uh, it always, it always gives me kind of a new platform to jump off of right mm-hmm. a new a new diving board to dive into with them and i would say that my students teach me more about voice than any any teacher that i've worked with you know the right. students literally teach me so it's mm. cool it's really cool that's amazing i because i i suppose you, i would always my natural assumption would be that if somebody approaches you to learn to sing it's because they have uh, aspirations of of it being a career and it's kind of cool that you, you you encounter situations where people want to do it for the joy of it right exactly so but i also have cases of people that for example their their voice or singing is a weight for them right People that tell them, oh, can you just shut up? Stop singing. God, you're driving me nuts. Stop singing. Oh, you sound right. like a screechy owl. Or, oh, you sing so <laughs> off key. It's just horrible. You know, so parents or family members or people at school, you know, um, 
And then those are words that stick with the person. I also even worked with somebody who had like a phobia of singing. Can you imagine a phobia of like no, not, not even a hum, not even a note, just so, so afraid of singing. Where did that, was that because people told them that they were bad or? Well, you know, it, it, it really depends on what happens, you know, where that, where that situation is rooted in. But in this mm. case, it was really just like, this person was um, kind of a fake shy person, right? So pretty introverted, but actually one's kind of comfortable in a situation, right. really extroverts and everything. And um, sometimes it's also, you know, giving, giving authorization to what you say, to what you, you know, life to what you say, saying what I say is important. And what I, what I breathe out is important. What I breathe into my life is important. So not everybody has this aspiration to become a professional singer. And mm. I have a few young people that want to become professional singers. And I, t I tell them, you, you can for sure. You totally can. But I do want you to know, you know, that your voice is important whether you become professional or not professional. You know, yeah. your, 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 your song is just as valid if you're singing on, you know, a huge stage in New York City or in Paris or in London or wherever, or if you're just singing in your backyard with your cat. You know, yeah. it's just as yeah. valid. I mean, success is in it's such a expansive kind of barometer of what constitutes success. I mean, for some people, I think just contacting you and saying, I want to do this after yes. X amount of time, that's success. You've, you've already for achieved sure. it, you know, by exactly. getting around to actually doing it. Right. And so that is part of, I think that today, you know, back Maybe, maybe back in the early 2000s and 1990s and stuff like that, vocal coaching was just kind of only for the singers, you know. But today, the vocal work that I offer, and even through myself, really is a lot just with personal development, kind of, you know. And without bringing it into therapy or whatever, you know, if people, if people bring subjects onto the table and they're comfortable talking about it, I'm here to listen and I can help them work through it. I've been through a lot of therapy myself, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, But it's really something of just, you know, authorizing, being the author of what mm. you say and, um, and owning it and then kind of mm. working through that, you know? And I love that you say that there's such a broad spectrum of success. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. What were, you, what were those early motivations for you to to kind of actively take a step towards uh learning or just exploring you know what you were sort of being attracted to with with music what were those kind of early things that made you think hey, i think i want to give this a shot in some capacity <laughs> of, of learning yeah well i would say that music kind of always came easily to to me uh, in, in our family, I can't say that, you know, there, there are no professional musicians or singers or anything, but everybody kind of dabbled in music and performance. My mom, uh, when I was growing up, when I was just a kid, she, she was in an um, amateur theater company in our, in our little city in Wisconsin. And so very early on, I had kind of this, I saw my mother on stage. I was taking dance lessons. I started taking dance when I was three. So Amazing. she, so she saw like this little girl. I must have just been crazy about being looked at, you know, being seen. And then this other thing that she saw in me was my joy, 
you know, she saw that I was this fun loving kind of outgoing, probably sometimes annoying little girl, you know, who wanted to be looked at, look at me. And so she, my first, my first uh, place for me to, 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 to use kind of that talent, my stage was, was in dance. And then after dance, it grew into theater. And after theater, that grew into learning instruments. So I played the saxophone. I started when I was nine. And, and I didn't know that voice was my calling yet. I knew that I loved to sing. Like I knew that I wanted to sing, but I didn't know that my talent was in singing right away. For me, I was really, I was really into dance. You know, dance was a huge part for me. But one of the things that hindered me was my body because I was a little on the rounder side. And when you're a young girl growing up in the eighties and nineties in America, you know, there's a lot of, shame around our bodies and so um it was hard for me to accept the way that i was and that dream that i had of i i really wanted to be like the star dancer like a an etoile you know like a star ballet dancer that didn't happen Amazing. right uh but at the same time there was just this um yeah there was there was a real comfort for me when i was on stage and um i would say when i was in high school I was I was really good at saxophone. I was first chair in the band and then I was in jazz bands and then I was in saxophone ensemble and like I went to competitions and I got gold medals and I was really wow. really serious about it. And I noticed that my singing was mm, not as good as it used to have been. And so what happened was, was uh, I kind of went through ther uh through puberty. <laughs> I didn't go through therapy yet. I went through puberty. And when you go through puberty, all voices change, girls and boys. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I kind of I like lost my voice a little bit for a while. And uh, then I started uh, auditioning for musicals because I the, the original plan was to do dance. But then that kind of fell with my body. And then I was like, OK, well, I could go I could go to New York and be on Broadway. And that would be OK with me. I would still be on the stage. People would still be looking at me. I'd be dancing. I'd be singing. That would be fine. Uh, and so I started working on my voice. and. Um, and then I had uh, my very first opportunity to travel abroad. And that's when I came to France for the first time. That was in like 2000. And uh, when I came back from France that first year, so I was just a, a junior in high school. <clears throat> I had a really shitty year, like a really shitty year coming back that, that year. That's right. my, my senior year of high school. And uh, I was kind of just, you know, down and it was hard. And my mom had like a reverse culture shock, right? And it was just after what September. Happened? Why was it such a bad, oh, sorry to interrupt. What, what, why was it such a bad year? What happened? So what happened was, is, first of all, yeah, yeah, you can ask. First of all, there was a whole deal with September 11th, right? There was the uh, terrorist oh, gosh, attack. Yes. So I had yeah. just, I had just gotten back to America. I think I had been in the States for like three weeks. And then boom, oh, September 11th, you know, and that was a huge, that was a huge shock for me, for everybody, obviously, mm -hmm. for the whole world, seeing those images. But um, yeah, and it just, and then there was this whole idea with France, like, not joining the war. And so America was like, they're, they're not French fries anymore. They're freedom fries. And, you know, oh, they're like, yes. wow. remember that? Do you remember? And they're yeah, like dumping yeah. bottles of Bordeaux out in the street in New York. Like, no, go home French. You know, and that was really hard for <sighs> yeah. me. because I was like, but the French don't want to go to war. They're right. They shouldn't yeah. go to war. And um, 
So that happened. So that was kind of like a draw, like a like a tearing apart of my love of both countries. Because I was like, well, you guys aren't mm. compatible. You're not compatible anymore. Like we can't love both countries. We've got to pick and choose. And then I also later on in the year I had a really bad car accident and that was oh. really yeah that was really it was really worrying thankfully nobody was um uh killed there were you know there were some injuries but it was it was a difficult year and so after that year um I I had no more energy to to play my sax uh everything just kind of went blah right and my mom saw that and God bless her. She, we were having dinner one night and she said, Laura, could you go get the dessert? It's out, it's out in the garage. So I went and uh, looked to, for the dessert and I didn't find it. And she said, oh, I think I left it in the car. Oh, excuse me. And so I'm like, okay, you left the dessert in the car. That's weird. And in the, <laughs> and, and in the car was a guitar, was a very cheap acoustic guitar and my mom bought me this guitar and she said okay so this is the search she said yeah I bought you this guitar it's for you I want you to start writing songs and sing and I did so I learned guitar on my own it took me like a year and a half to get good a little bit a little good like I could change chords and play d a e g c you know just the regular folky songs and I started first learning songs that I loved by other singers on my guitar. And then I started writing my own songs. So that was when I was 18, you know, in 2002. Nice. And when that started happening, when I started writing my own texts, when I started like writing about heartbreak or questioning or whatever. Uh, and then I would just put it onto my guitar on those three chords that I knew E, A and D. And of course, it sounded like every other song that maybe other people have written in E, A, and D. But I really did. I felt like it was very special. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it relieved me in a way. It relieved me in a way that I didn't think it would, you know. Mm -hmm. And during that year was all of this emotional relief that was being expressed through the creation of my first songs. And then parallel to that was the pressure of oh shit, now I'm like writing these songs and they want to live. I'm going to have to sing them in front of people. How am I going to do this? You know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's where, that's where it all began. I decided that I would take the time and work on it. Yeah. Mm. Well, firstly, can we say what an exceptional woman your mother is? Because that's an amazing thing to have spearheaded and, and oh, to kind of get you, you motivated against. She what is... a lovely, amazing thing for her to do. She is an amazing woman, and I'm so proud that she is the one that showed me the way, you know, and I get emotional mm. just talking about it because she's, she's fabulous. She's going to be 70 this year, and um, she's never been happier, and I'm so happy for that. So, yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Um, so you talked about, like, the idea of now writing your own songs and, and getting to the point where you – you wanted people to to hear them but I, I thought you, you you said that you know did you was that not uh kind of uh attached to you like wanting people to hear them it, like you seemed like it before it was like you wanted yes. people to you wanted to be on the stage sort of thing but now there seems to be like a nervousness about a trepidation about doing that exactly exactly because all I can hear in my head is you're not good enough these songs suck mm -hmm. you only know three chords your your lyrics are really innocent. They're just talking about heartbreak and you're only 18 years old. 
And you're never going to be the superstar that you wanted to become. When I was a little girl, like I would pretend I was, <laughs> I would pretend I was like Barbara Streisand, right? Barbara Streisand right. was my mother's favorite singer. And I grew up listening to all of her records on my parents' turntable. And I know all, I mean, all of it now. It's, it's a, it's a, it's pride. And that's also a little bit of shame, you know, <laughs> like, okay, we love Barbara Streisand, but at the same time, you know, like, like Barbara Streisand isn't particularly loved by Q Sound Recordings, right? Right? So, I mean, it's, it's no big deal. But, um, so, there's, so that's where a lot of like the mental, the mental engagement and how you think of yourself and and um, hmm. and how you how you perceive uh, uh, the way that the audience is going to receive, right? And you can't do that until yeah. you do it. Um, so yeah, there was nervousness. There was nervousness because I really thought, oh God, I just need a big break. I just need a, I just need someone to see me. I just need someone to hear me. I just need someone to flash. You know, have like a flash of like, oh my God. And, and then, and then I'll make it. And then, and then I'll have my, my big chance and then I'm going to make it. Right. Because mm -hmm. that, that whole, the heart of little Laura was, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want them to look at me, look at me shine. I'll shine and you'll be happy. You know, that kind of what happens when you go and see a show, when you see people really just living and using their talent, you know, you feel good after that. So. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the, yeah, uh, it's it's sort of the good but the cruel thing in a way about just exactly. art in general that if you've mm -hmm. created something that whether you've written it uh sung it recorded it filmed it whatever that Painted. art is mm -hmm. you invariably it goes hand in hand with wanting people to see and appreciate it they want to totally. see you know you want them to see through what you've done and uh, really understand it and i think that that that's kind of the the, the gift and the curse uh of exactly. art because it, it there's an incompleteness if you haven't achieved that. And I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Right. And that's, so just to bring it back to the article that you shared, that's why I felt so compelled to reach out to you because it's, it felt to me that, you know, I was actually being seen and heard just for what I was, you know, and, um, and uh, it's so, it's so, it's, it's such a small thing. You know, like it's not, it's, it's, it's not like a light where oh, all of a sudden, like, you know, <laughs> things, planets align and, and, and oh my God. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's going worldwide. That, that could be like Amy Winehouse or even Adele or, or mm. other wonderful singers, singer songwriters that we have of our time. Um, mm. And it's no longer a fantasy for me. It's now it's just, all right, I got to stick to my road. I got to stick to what I know is true, which is I, what I say and what I sing, there's room for that in this world. Yeah. And uh, so it's, there's a lot of, um, yeah, investment that comes into that. I think I'm really, yeah. So yeah, there's this, this kind of ecosystem where you have to, you have to keep in mind that yes, you want to be seen, you want to be heard and you can be seen and heard. And at the same time, whatever you create, whether it's seen and whether it's heard, is still valid. Yes. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's it is it is a difficult thing, but um, it's it's great. I'm I'm thrilled that you're at that point where you're 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 achieving that 
you know, where you're, you're, you're kind of that creative satisfaction of putting something out into the world and having people hear it. I mean, Q sounds such an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. hub of like contemporary uh, soul and funk music. And I think to, to have that stamp on your, your records with them, like what a great, you know, cosign of your, your talent, mm. your, your, your achievements, your potential. And uh, it's such a great, uh, it's a great thing to boast. I, I de- desperate to talk to you about your, your, your No Love, No Peace album, but oh, just before I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Of course, of course. Just before I, I do, I'll, I, if I may ask about Q Sounds, how did, how did you guys come to, to meet? How did you guys come to start uh, collaborating together? Right. So, so I'm just going to take it back just a little bit so that yeah. you know that for, so you did, you did kind of mention that I had those three in, independent albums of mine, yes, of course. Which, yeah, yeah. which, which I had decided, I had decided on my own when I was doing those albums that I would not be good enough to work with any record label. Like now I didn't say this with my mouth, but in mm-hmm. my thoughts, it was in any case, you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not good enough. The songs really aren't that good. I mean, my voice was nice, but it's not that good. Uh, you know, so I'm just going to do this on my own and then come hell or high water, my, my music, I will release my music. I will do my music. So I did everything. I mean, uh, organizing tours, looking for dates and, 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 and pressing the, getting the CDs pressed, getting the, the, the records pressed. Um, trying to do release parties. I also had my babies during that time as well. Wow. I have to. I have, so I was pregnant with 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 a guitar performing, and then I had these small newborn babies, and I was trying to do my 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 promo tours all on my own. Totally ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. I was exhausted and burned out, and I felt so unseen. <laughs> I felt I felt just so invisible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know today that, you know, that whole thing was for, for me to just to validate myself. You know, that was it was all about just now me coming to terms with the fact that uh, I needed to go to go through those albums to get to where I am. So at the end of Digging Deeper, at the end of like 2015, 2016, I was really just in a burned out space. I had two little boys, tiny boys. They were like a year and a half and three years old and I was going insane and trying to do the music and um and I decided that I wanted to step away from uh, from teaching I was teaching music in a in a bilingual school in Paris and I decided I wanted to step away from teaching and try and work on myself a little bit so I started training my voice with a vocal school in Paris and uh that's when I got into more interested in the voice and once I finished that training with this vocal school I said I'm going to make a new album and I'm going to be celebrating my half and half, which meant half of my life in France and half of my life nice. in America. I was 36 at the time, 18 years in America, 18 years in France. Nice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this bilingual album. I hadn't sung in French in a really long time, since 2013. And I wanted to make this, wanted to make this album and I wanted to call it Home Slash Chez Moi because I was working on this whole concept of what is home. And all I had known was I wasn't going to do it on my own anymore. I needed mm-hmm. to be supported. I needed people to talk to. <laughs> I needed people that would help me. Uh, and so I went to this kind of, um, what do they call it? Like a, like a salon for independent music artists or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. I signed up for what they called a speed meeting. And a speed meeting is you can, 
you meet with a professional for whatever, 10 minutes, and you get 10 minutes to talk to them about your project and then, you know, try and create uh, oh, wow. uh, a link. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, so there's this independent uh, group called the Jimmy, and the Jimmy is kind of outside of Paris, and Q Sounds was there. So I was looking for record labels, particularly not necessarily publishers or anything, just a record label. And the, the description of Q Sounds was uh, specialized in vinyl, uh, soul, soul music and specialized in vinyl. And I was like, well, I don't really do soul music. But I was like, well, I did do one vinyl all on my own. And I had a copy of it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet them and we'll see, you know. So I got a chance to meet Ludo. And we, I had never met him before. I had 10 minutes speed meeting, like a speed dating thing, you know, where you go and meet right. a lot of different people. So I'm like, okay, I got to convince Ludo, or I got to convince this guy that, <laughs> that like, I, I, I'm the way to go. Like, y'all got to, you got to bet on me, you know, take me in. Right. I'm the one that's going to do it. Right. And um, it was very, it was an interesting meeting. Ludo is a man of few words <laughs> when he when, when he talks about things that he loves he can talk for a long time um he's an extremely talented musician and director and, and so here i am a, a overly enthusiastic uh young american woman singer songwriter working on going on my fourth album right i want to do this fourth album and uh you know one of the first things he said to me was you know i'm not gonna q sounds is not the record label that's gonna make you a star and uh, I just said, I'm not looking to become a star. When actually inside my head, it was, you want to be a star. So I already had that kind of like battle within. But I was telling him, no, no, I don't really want to be a star. But I actually, you know, that inner, that inner child voice. So right. we ended up meeting. I gave him, I gave him two of my records. I gave him a vinyl and I gave him the CD of, of On The Way. And he said, okay, you've done this and this. And Actually, we started just working on Home Slash Shame One. He just said, you know what? I would, I would, I would work on this. We will work on this with you. We think that, you know, it's kind of got a Southern soul kind of color to it. It's kind of got that country, folky country soul. And, uh, we've never done a record like that and we'd like to. And so they went, they took me in and they went on the trip with me. And that's how the Shadows of Love were born. They put together Amazing. a band that they thought would do justice by backing me up and through all of that beginning process so that was in 2018 and wow. uh through in through 2018 all the way through 2020 and 2021 i just was working on my voice really hard because i felt that that's where i wanted to go now i could actually step into my own diva shoes you know mm. i had the backing band that were playing for me solid um my songs were there and I had to start um, using the color, all those colors, using the colors in my voice and really letting my authenticity, that kind of diva soul woman that was, you know, sleeping inside me. Finally, it was right. time for to, to come out and take the stage. So that's how Q Sounds came to be. That's amazing. When you start that process of, of, of working with them, is there any part of you? I mean, look, you've at this point, you've done three records and they have been you have managed to maintain absolute creative control of all aspects right. of those records. Right. Is there any right. part of you that's kind of nervous going into this scenario where you're working with people who who, who know how they want to do things and do things yeah. a certain way and they're they're a unit in of themselves. Are you kind of walking into this thinking, okay, uh I need to 
make sure this is what I want it to be. I need to make this a collaborative thing. I need to be assertive when I need to be assertive and make sure that this is a record I want to make and not that I lose myself in it. Is there that kind of conversation that you have with yourself or even with Ludo in advance of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I would say that the, the strongest thing was just kind of an imposter, you know, that imposter syndrome that comes in anyway, that is, there's no way that you can sing strongly, loudly, and have that mean something and still have the groove and the rhythm. Um, but going back to just the collaboration. So at some point, Ludo is really, so for Home Slash Chez Moi, a lot of the song, songs kind of stuck to the structure that I brought in, meaning that I would, I write all my songs on piano or guitar, and then I bring them to the group, especially Home Slash Shema, that's how that worked. And so there was a lot of my own musical influence in that. Um, and I started hearing new colors that he was bringing in, you know, or saying, okay, can you play this chord? And then, okay, let's maybe just turn it this way. And I also had to let go of the guitar because I had been accompanying myself on stage with my guitar for a really long time. Right. And so, you know, I remember the time he said, I said, oh, well, maybe I could play my guitar on this song. And he said, oh, uh, no, I don't think so. And I was like, well, why not? And he was like, well, Laura, are you a singer or are you a guitarist? And I was like, well, I'm more of a singer. And he's like, yeah, you're more of a singer. So now let somebody else play the guitar and all you got to do is sing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I've been <laughs> wanting to do all my life. Thank you very much. And so at some point, that control that I had over my music was had no, it was actually becoming a weight, you know, like a ugh, something I got to represent and hang right, on interesting. to. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, and uh, letting somebody else just kind of come in. And I mean, everything that he did, he would kind of say, is that okay? And I'd say, yeah, sounds great. At some point, I just had to start trusting him, you know, and I think... Hmm. Being able to have listened to the other records that he that they had done before with Q Sounds and even all of his his experience with Kalamoto Records and the house music and everything that that is that is that makes up who Ludo is today it was really yeah. it, it was really a lesson for me like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna trust this person and that's where a relationship once trust is there you can start to build a relationship if yeah. there's no trust you can't. You know, so I started trusting these men, all of these men in my project. And it was really and uh, it was it was uh, a great lesson for me uh, in in artistic development and collaboration. And then it was also it showed me a lot of new things of what I could do, what it freed me up to be able to do. Let's just say mm. it that way. Amazing. Amazing. And how do you look back at uh, the Home Shimoi album? It's been obviously a few years now. How do you yeah. look back at it as, as I don't know, something uh, that you would change in, in aspects? Are you like, it's exactly, it's perfect uh, for it, its time? Or like, how yeah. do you? Yeah, you know, there was, a, there was a, a critique on No Love, No Peace that, I mean, all of the critiques have been pretty, pretty positive and, and very empowering. And I'm thankful for all of that. And there was one critique that wasn't even, it wasn't even a bad critique. The, the critique was, it was in a, a different, it was in a different language that said, um, you know, we can, we, we, I, I can hear that uh, Miss Lorenz's voice can be limited, a bit limited sometimes or something like that. And that got me thinking um, about voice, about performance. 
And then it got me thinking about all my old stuff that's still like on the internet, right? That, I mean, if somebody really wanted to, they could go listen to that EP uh, from 2010 and hear that innocence. But isn't that what life is about? Yeah. It would, it would, it would suck to be perfectly awesome uh, at 20 years old and then just stay there. You know, mm -hmm. that would mm -hmm. suck. And yeah. I, I, I won't take down, so I've thought about it a lot, a lot, you know, cause I'm kind of like, well, those are kind of like little young, but at the same time, those have to be there because people need to know that you can grow as an artist. You know, it's not once you get to the maximum that all of a sudden your music can be released. No, I think you yeah. can really, you know, it's little by little. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So is home slash Shemwa exactly where I wanted it to be? Uh, I'm very proud of the work that I did on that. Um, it was a whole brand new aspect of my voice, you know, singing with a strong chest voice and bringing in some head voice into that. So that's a little bit of technique, but um, the album resonated very strongly for me. It was very, very important for me to accept both parts of my person, which are French and American. Um, uh, at one point I kind of forgot who I was, you know, you kind of forget the American or you're not really sure it's been right. so long that you've been here, you're not sure who you are. Um, I wouldn't change anything on Home Slash Chez Moi. I'm really disappointed that it got, released at a time when <laughs> the world was shut down but again right. I, I know i know that that whole process happened so that i could continue working on my person you know there's i i worked very intensely on my own um personality and and uh, artistic uh, endeavors during that time and covid and all of the stuff that happened in america during the lockdowns really affected me in a in a, in a difficult way. I was obviously all of a sudden home 24 seven with my children that were still driving me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want people to think that I don't love my children. I love them no, with all my heart and soul, not. but it's, you know, if you have kids, you know, exactly. yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I, I zoned out for a, a moment. I'm just glancing at there's from what you were saying about that, like, imposter syndrome i've just glanced yeah. at a song title from from the album uh one of my favorite tracks on 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 the home shimura album is uh stop bullet and yeah. i'm going to recite the words and i'm going to get it wrong but you, there's a a really fantastic line um that's something like i can believe in something but i i can't believe in me right and, and, yeah. Is does that kind of resonate with like that kind of level of because it's almost like you there's a lot of um uh, for that album and in particular uh, no love no peace it's almost like you're you you know you talk about like freedom fighters and things like that mm -hmm, and you have mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. and, and very much about stop bullet is is that kind of I, I'm gonna pick up this baton and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for every everything that I that I believe in but sometimes I don't know if I believe in me for sure and I, exactly and. Yeah, and as a as a song, as a line, and you have that ability, um, just like a, a that you know, I think in my no love no peace uh, out review where I I mentioned that that was like pretty much it's not I don't think it's exactly the final line, but it's not the, no. the final sentiment of yeah. uh, uh, emptiness where you sort of said well we'll talk about that in, in, but sometimes you have an ability to 
to just throw in a line that kind of gives amazing context to, to everything around the song or the album or, uh, and that's a line that always kind of resonated with me from, from stop. So. I appreciate that. So you must know that that line, sometimes words come easily and I'm always a mm. bit cautious of the easy words, you know, right. cause that, cause then it's kind of like, Hmm. Am I just copping out or is there, is there something deeper behind that or, or is it really just as simple as that? Right. Mm. And I'm always, it's very interesting that we're talking about text because I'm, I'm writing a lot right now. I'm not necessarily writing songs. I'm just writing. And, um, I really, for this, for whatever happens after no love, no peace, I really want my songs. I want the words to be, encore plus even more resonant with with my person right? right so that so that there is no more like am i just copying out or even you know sometimes when i when i'm performing some of the stronger lyrics of no love no peace there is that voice that is just like but what are you even talking about what do you even know you know but again coming back to that thing of i have emancipated myself out of my own chains my own slavery that i put myself in which was i mean i as i told you in the beginning i love people and one of the things that i had to deal a lot with was my own people pleasing you know i love everybody mm. to be happy i want to make people happy that's part of the reason why i teach is because i want people to be happy mm. <laughs> and um but i'm not i, I can't I, I can't let making people happy be the reason why i do things uh so um i preach what i believe but do i believe in me yes the one yeah yeah it's a great line it's hard it's hard to say i mean because it's because that's the reality the, the words are i'll i'd stop bullets around run around the world walk through the fire unfurled take a hit stop the show just so i can let you know preach what I believe, but do I believe in me, you know? Mm. So I'm, I'm willing to lay my life down, save people. Yeah. But do I have enough value for my person, you know? And that's, I think yeah. that's what really brought me to no love, no peace. Amazing. It's a, it's, well, it's a, it's a, an amazing sentiment. I mean, you talked about like that notion of writing and are you like copying out where you, you 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 suggested that easy words yeah i don't i don't i my uninformed response to that would be you, you can't get it wrong in that if it's it's not necessarily the words you use it's the place it comes from right it's the sincerity behind it and if if you're writing it with with honesty and sincerity and you, you're, you're conveying what you want to say, the vocabulary is second to the sentiment, right? <laughs> Correct. Correct. I love that. Success. But <laughs> Right, 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 right. But in songwriting, so, so oh, that yes, is... okay. <laughs> they have to but, rhyme. Right. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. No, no, no. No, but what's so interesting is that, so there's technique also to songwriting. You know, you can write, um, I love you, I love you. You know, I really love you, right? But mm -hmm. so to make that sound, whatever, to make it your own, to make it your own authenticity, you have to kind of dig into that. And then there's also, you know, the, 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 the form of how, what, what, how is that song going to take place so that people 
have it stuck in their brain all day long and that they're singing it. And so they have to listen to it. And because they're, they have to sing it and they listen to it, it starts to mean something in their life. And that's why music is. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at just the, the depths of words, the words that I use. Mm. And I think um, up until, up, up until no love, no peace, words came easily. And I wasn't always necessarily weighing out the importance of each word. And now in No Love, No Peace, it is so weird that we're talking about this. Last night, I had a freak out uh, because my children, uh, when we were, I was making dinner and my kids, you know, they, whatever, they're being crazy. And um, my little one came in and he said, um, oh, mom, I'm going to put on some music. It'll be a song that you like. And I was like, no, no music. Let's just keep it cool and calm. And he put on No Love, No Peace. He put BLM on. Right. And, I, and I'm hearing myself sing those words and uh, like a, a, a wave of doubt came over me and I was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god you really wrote that you wrote those words Laura now this album I've been performing in this album is out but then all of a sudden I was like oh is it valid you know and I and I breathed through it and I sang through it and I'm like yeah totally valid all good all good you know it's just what, was, so, what do you mean it's valid what what, what were the, the the doubts that you were having well the doubts are about you know just my own person me being a white mm. cisgender woman totally privileged i'm totally privileged you know and mm. um there's so much suffering and sometimes i'm just like I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of um, it's a questioning. It's a it's a continual questioning that I have, which allows me. But I know that I'm questioning myself because I'm starting to write again. And when I'm and this time I'm this round I'm writing. I'm trying to write really consciously, a little less from like that inspirational, emotional part, and a little bit more consciously, so that the words that are coming on my paper resonate fully right um so it's it's a little different work i've never really done this before i guess sometimes when i was writing songs before especially for home slash shame things were just really i was just writing for the passion of writing songs you know i was just <gasps> being with my guitar and finding that mushy lovey space within myself and my guitar and my words and my notebooks and my and my pen and my pencil and drawings and stuff like that and this time I'm, I'm not, I'm not staying in that mushy spot anymore. I'm trying to kind of dig a little deeper within myself and find the, uh, the deeper, deeper, deeper words, Yeah, you know? That's amazing. That's amazing to challenge yourself in that, in that capacity. That's, that's, that's <laughs> no promises, no promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, oh, let's, I guess if, if we may just quickly like to dive yeah. into No Love, No Peace. I mean, we've talked about it so much, which is amazing, but I mean, I, I very much look at it as a, as a concept record. Right. Um, and I think just, you know, from when I initially saw it, I mean, the, the title I loved the title. Mm. I loved the kind of the abrasiveness of it. You know, the, the fact that it wasn't a, a positive t 
title in of itself like no like kno w right. like it's not no right. love no peace it's not just look blind blindly kind of optimistic uh it's it's almost aggressively like oh f the world i'm sick of it i'm sick of <laughs> of everything i'm sick of politics i'm sick of racial issues i'm sick of this and i'm sick of quarantine i'm sick of covid i'm sick of rising prices and you know it, it just mm-hmm. felt like mm-hmm. it was a frustrated kind of honest take on on say you or the events around you and i just thought nice like that's that's good you know because we tend to see you know everything will be okay and uh and i think just as a title it's like all right i'm 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 invested in this significantly more if than if the title was the other way around does that make sense yeah it does and uh that the the title of the album goes to christelle amusu who is, you know, Ludo's uh, dear and tender uh, fiance, and um, they, she's also the songwriter and melody creator for Principles of Joy and the Vogues, and um, and we had been, for the first time ever, I had no title for an album, usually, which is very, very strange, I have the title of an album before all of the songs odd brilliant it it would be like like andrew lloyd weber going i'm going to write a musical called phantom of the opera (laughs) i have no music or any ideas but the the, the show will be called the phantom of the opera you know so that but that that, that's me you know that's me i'm just like oh yes i have i'm gonna write an album called the giving tree and i'm gonna write an album called on the way and then i'm gonna write an album called digging deeper and then i'm gonna write an album called home slash chez moi right (laughs) those titles are there before the songs are which is really strange and um so i had never worked this way before Hmm. i adore that you call it a concept album because that's that's kind of what it is and that's what reconciled me with the diverse music presentation that is on this album this time yeah. right it's i can i accept and you know if if you know paris and if you know france you know that the french and the parisians they love a concept <laughs> they love a concept <laughs> you know if it's not conceptual it's almost like eh, it's too real or it's too whatever right. you know we need a concept so i and that's also the first time I think that I really accepted that it would be a concept and something other than just the nakedness of my soul singing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's more than that. Right. Um, so what was your initial question? I can't remember, but oh, yes. just about, about what well, the concept album, the, the title, the, yes. the kind of the approach, I guess, to the record in general. Yeah. Right. And so what happened was, is um, I had, I had, well, BLM was written like the day after George Floyd was assassinated. Oh, and wow, uh, that quick, wow. Yeah, yeah, I have a bit of a thing with, um, I always do that and I don't know why. Um, I think I knew why before, but things are changing a little bit now. When when dramas happen, I really, I really like to write a song for those, people or for that person or for that cause. Um, for example, there's a song off of uh, Digging Deeper, my third individual mm-hmm. album that is called um, uh, Don't You Cry, Not Tonight. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the night. T- title. It's, it's associated with a French song called, um, it's actually, you know, you can listen to it on YouTube, called um, Vent Frais, Vent Du Matin. 
And uh, I, I wrote that song just a few days after we saw that terrible image of this little boy that had drowned on the, in the Mediterranean Sea and that was washed oh. ashore in Greece. Wow. Right? Gosh. Yeah. Right? So that image is like stuck in my brain. And the only way for me to treat that grief, that, that horrific idea of people fleeing and drowning in the ocean was for me to write them a song. I had a dear friend in high school that later on in life got leukemia, had been battling it for years and years, and he had been battling, battling, battling. Such a wonderful man. Unfortunately, he lost to the, to the disease, but they would call him Batman because he was like a superhero. He had been in remission, I don't know how many times. And I wrote him a song. He, he made a foundation, and I wrote him this song called You're a Fighter. And, uh, you know, that was a way for me to honor him. Um, and right after George Floyd, I refused to watch the video completely because I'm way too sensitive. Like that probably would have driven me overboard. But the only way for me to get through that was to start writing about how, how I felt and, and how, how I didn't understand. I don't, I just didn't understand, you know, I don't understand how, how human blood can be so, <laughs> so wasted. You know, mm. so, so that's how that happened. So once BLM happened, I, I kind of wrote it. I, I wrote the words and I had the melody and I brought it in and it just wasn't up to par. Like there was a disconnect between the words and the melody and the music, right? The words were there. The melody and the music were different than what they are in the album. Right. And I realized that Ludovic started to like take it to another level. And I was like, I dig all of this, but I am so not, you know, any, I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a black woman, you know, I'm not, um, I, I'm not under oppression. Um, so it took me a long time to kind of just accept that, okay, I can go into this concept and there's no condemnation for me and there's no chains and I'm okay. And I can still say all these things and I believe what I say. Um, so yeah, BLM, when, when Ludo told me that he wanted BLM to be the first single and the first title on the album, I was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. You're really, you're really, you're going for this. You're, you're doing it. And, um, mm. I could only trust him again. I could only trust that he, he was making the right decision, you know? Mm. And it's a great video with it as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, I love a beret. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. You know, and um, that was, thank goodness that the video is there because it actually really helped me reconcile. Again, putting an image, putting my body into it really helped me to say, mm -hmm. okay, I can fight. And that's what manifesting is. You know, it's not, no longer it's just thoughts or something on a piece of paper, but it's actually being lived through a body. And that's why, you know, it's, um, it, it was uh, really comforting for me to make that video just because I was like, okay, now I can represent it physically and it's going to be okay. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so like, how, if I may ask like other songs on the album, like this is, this was obviously a, a conscious decision of, of, of a theme or, right. or kind of uh, frustration that you wanted to sort of continue throughout the, the project at the outset. Is that fair to say? Or is something that happened just sort of organically while recording and one song led to another? 
Yeah, uh, well, I had written, I would say maybe like eight of the 10 songs, I think, uh, kind of during the lockdown. Right. Um, that's, a, that's an amazing uh, number to have got through. So what happened was, right, so Home Slash Chez just kind of hit the fan, right? Nothing really happened with that. It was released on, I mean, immediately after. It didn't have the release that I wanted, and it didn't have, you know, it, because there were no more concerts, there was nothing happening for a really mm -hmm. long time. And the only way for me to deal with that was to be like, all right, fuck it, excuse me, excuse it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, eh, all right, we're done with this, all right, let's push that aside, on to the next work, what is our next work going to be? You know, I was really, I literally got over it. I was done with Home Slash Chez during the lockdown and it had just come out. And I was like, whatever, this is, this is, I'm done with this. Let's move on. Let's write some new songs. And that's when I started kind of unhashing all of the deeper, deeper topics of um, No Love, No Peace. Right. And uh, it had to come to terms with kind of uh, the ugliness within me and then the ugliness of the world. And, and at the same time, the beauty of the ugliness within all of us because <laughs> that's what kind of you know brings us all together is our imperfection so yeah that's a that's a that's a great that's a great phrase the beauty of the ugliness you're absolutely right it's yeah that's that's a, that's a wonderful um perspective to take on it really we have to embrace right. those those parts of ourselves don't we exactly i like to think of ourselves as like a disco ball right so if you look at somebody uh let's take hitler for example <laughs> <laughs> we're not using very straightforward <laughs> all right let's take donald trump let's take donald trump all right let's not take hitler let's take donald trump now donald trump <laughs> is loved he is loved by yeah. a huge percentage of americans and people around the world wtf how can that be they see a facet of donald trump that they recognize themselves in and that they glorify and and then there's other parts of Donald Trump that are totally disgusting and misogynistic and things like that. And I think it's really important to keep in mind, even though po politics can be so hateful and there are so many reasons to rebel and obviously to defend our own rights and um, uh, obviously. But we must keep in mind that even the nicest of people have gross parts about themselves, right? Sure. Even even the, the most saint or the most holy or whatever word you want to use, the most consciously awoke person is still going to have shitty parts about them you know yeah. so it's important to keep all of that in mind that we're not just beauty or we're not just ugly we're not just love or we're not just hate we are all of this at the same time and once you accept that whole entirety of your person of who you are i think that's when things start to get interesting in life you know because it's no longer black or white it's not either or it's and mm -hmm. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. So uh, emptiness. I guess that takes us to sort of to emptiness uh, mm. after, which is, I mean, at what point in the process does that song come to come to fruition? Is that uh, you know, <sighs> serendipitously the last song you end up recording? Is that sort of in the middle and you know where it's going to go? Is it just just something that just fit and just in the jigsaw puzzle? Where at the end, how does that song factor in? Because it Right. I mean, it, it brings context to the entire record, doesn't it? Right. So Emptiness After was written before the lockdown, um, right after. So we had had a fabulous performance with the Shadows of Love in a room that I had been wanting to play in Paris for a long time. And this was on February 29th, 2020. 
So a leap year on top of it. There's only one February toy every four years. Okay. So we have this concert and I was, I, I would say that I had put a lot of pressure on myself to make a good show. Uh, I knew that a lot of people were going to be there. Uh, I had this really cute dress. I loved, I loved, I love clothes and dresses and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I was, you know, I, I wanted to look good. I wanted to sing well. And so I had put a lot of pressure on myself. I do the concert. Day after, I was um, going to, to, to join my husband and children in the countryside. But I, I was so exhausted. I wake up at 8.30 in the morning. I'm supposed to get myself going. And I had this hole in my heart. After what was supposed to be one of the most beautiful, exciting performances of my career up to date, right? Mm. Hole in my heart. I could just feel sadness and, like, emptiness, Okay pure on emptiness and I sit down on the couch and I'm like dude it's nine o'clock in the morning you're not going to start bawling your eyes out so I just take a deep breath and I'm like fine I take my pen take my notebook start writing it's the emptiness after the eye of the storm and I just keep breathing with this emptiness that I have it's the whole it's the fall of the dust to the ground resettle to silence and and I just I just started writing that right, and I wrote I wrote it, the whole thing, and then I'm like, oh my god, this is a song. So I take my guitar, D minor, gling, it's it's the emptiness after. I I did the whole thing, same melody for all three, little bridge, with small modulation, nothing. I can I can honestly say that this song was written in maybe seven or eight minutes. Wow. Oh my and, gosh. and, um, and that's, that's the most beautiful. When that happens, that happened with, um, that happened with, I want to go home. And that happened with, um, home is where my heart is wow. on. Okay. And so this the only record that uh, the only song that this happened on for this record is the emptiness after. And we went to rehearsal. I can't remember if we rehearsed or not after that. I think we did. I think we had one rehearsal before the release party that was supposed to happen and the, the lockdown and everything. And I brought that song to the table and we literally played it as I had written it, which never happens, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, it, and it was, it, it, it existed, you know? And um, I think initially it was sort of like, okay, a way for me to grieve whatever pressure that had been released and then you know kind of this worry of what's coming next what's going to happen i could feel something weird was going on with the energy in the world you know i could feel like there was unrest and there was something was going on but anyway i was really focused on um the album release and so when emptiness after came i was just like wow and my dear friend and guitarist uh harrison jean baptiste he after I had had them listen to the song and we, we worked on it, he sent me an interview of uh, a young entrepreneur artist who did a whole talk about the emptiness after. I didn't oh. know. It's a whole thing. That thing exists, Imran. Many artists suffer from that, where they're like, they, they get to this culminative, cum, what's the word? The cumulative point, the culminative point. Of like, like okay, or? yeah, like this, 
like, you know, like the, the, the summit, the summit of, okay. you know, your work. Like, okay, you're really, you've gotten there. Boom, it's over. Ah, okay. Uh, what next? What am I doing here? I don't know. Mm. Mm, you know? And so he sent me this, I can't remember if it was an interview or a podcast. I listened to it and I was like, oh my God, I'm so normal. Oh, thank you. Like, thank you for all of those artists that are willing to talk about what happens when things don't go your way? What happens when it's done and over? What do you do next? You know, mm. I was so, so thankful for that. And, um, and it, that, that validated my music, that validated that song for sure. Just the fact mm. knowing that there's other people that go through what I was going through. I was very thankful for that. <laughs> Amazing. So. It's all. It's. It's. I'm just really thrilled to, to have had this time with you. To be honest, like it's a. It's a record that sort of. It's. I really clicked with uh, straight away, and it was a pleasure to sort of spend that time with it. And then it's you know it means so much more to be able to 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 spend this time with you and you talking so freely and openly about everything that kind of goes into it. And I have such admiration for your approach Aww. to your music and the the kind of the. Uh, I don't know the everything that you put into it it's just it, it's it's an inspiring thing to kind of hear uh from you and i'm just yeah mega grateful for your time and well um, yeah it's dude amazing. i'm so so thank you so much i will say that really the last line of your of your article which is no love no peace i want right. you to know that during that whole process uh, everything the so it, we recorded the album a year and a half ago you know, those songs existed already in 2020, some of them. And mm. um, during that whole, those these three years, I have grown to know love and I have grown to know peace, you know? Mm. And, and so you putting those words at the end, I was just like, how did he know? Well, how did you know? You, because it's, they, they're not, it's, it's not my revelation, it's yours. That's the thing. All, all I've really done is talk about the amazing record that you did, that you've made <laughs> and that you've consistently made and as an amazing artist with an amazing team. And it's um, it's not that's what you know, I think a few lines before that I say that the line where you talk about wholeness is what makes you feel right. Um, right. Um, that's not the right word. It's uh, blah, 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 blah. yes, it's, it's the, the feeling, feeling of wholeness, wholeness yes. is keeping me alive. And it's it's your revelatory moment. Yeah. Where you re where that, that's the point the album changes from no love, no peace to I know love, I know peace, and I know that's yeah. that's the way forward. And I yeah, it just it's it or literally all I've done is say what you've said that that's that's the context of of the album. I I deserve absolutely zero. No, credit. but you must know you must know that I'm thankful for your attentiveness because I was not expecting. May I just say that I'm not even sure that I knew that that was my that that was what I was saying, right? I'm not right. even sure that I knew that. And, um, and the way that you kind of listened intently and felt what that, what that meant also, what that reflected within you. And, um, and I, yeah, that was just so, it was so mm -hmm. um, uh, rewarding. It was so rewarding for me. Oh, and, Oh, hey, I could babble on for hours about uh, music and creation. And um, because in the end, we are all artists. We are all creators, you know. Mm. And I really think it's so important for people today to use their creative energy, whether it means 
of writing, painting, drawing, building something, planting, making, cooking food, um, you know, investing yourself with your community, whatever it is, you're creating, you know, and especially yeah. before creating anything, we're creating human bond, which is love, right? So the future generation for people, for young artists, right? To be able to be okay in whatever that is that mm. they're creating and allow that just to live and be free within the world. Once you let it go, you know, then the world can do what they want with it. So mm. your the work of art is free to live. my whole time I'm facing my emptiness loneliness at best my inspiration is at rest here I am facing the hatred of my own beautiful self I got all I need I die in a hunger I am the picture of hell if I fall Unfurled, I take a hit, I stop the show Just so I can let you know I preach what I It's all about me and my love story I remember where I came from And I can't stop me now I'm focusing on where I need to be I'll let the light shine in to see That I can't walk away From what we got today I'd stop bullets, run around the world the fire unfurled I'll take a hit I stop the show just so I can let you know I preach what I So I 